Welcome to the Art of Relating podcast, where I'm figuring out life, asking questions, becoming present with the unknown, and navigating the mystery with my dear friends. These conversations are one of my greatest resources, and I hope they can be a catalyst for you on your journey as well. I'm your host, Tammy Chow from Somatic Spirit. Hey everyone, welcome to this episode where I'm having a Somatic Spirit session with my friend Kylie who came to me with huge gut issues that are manifesting for her. So I'm helping her get into her body and unearth some of the subconscious beliefs, behaviors, and patterns that are running the show. And we're doing this by going in and exploring her body's sensations, imagination, movement, emotions, and the meanings that are coming up around them through the memories that are naturally emerging as I help her explore what's coming up in physical sensations in her body. You'll notice in the beginning of the session that I set up a really safe container for her body to feel more at ease, to be able to go in and process some of the really painful stuff that's happened in her childhood. And an important term I love educating about is what Peter Levine calls pendulation which is basically swinging back and forth between the trauma vortex and the healing vortex. The trauma vortex is when we get stuck into this deep spiral of being fixated with the negative sensations in our body. And so I'm helping her gently find resources in her body as well as different helpful relationships in her life to come out of the trauma vortex into the healing vortex. I'm also helping her do some relational repair around the family dynamics from her childhood, and you'll see a lot of that in the session as well. So my somatic spirit sessions are basically a blend of somatic experiencing, internal family systems, attachment repatterning, connection to spirit, and bringing in my intuitive presence to simply allow her body to unwind and help her understand what's ready to be processed and what lessons are ready to be learned through the wisdom of her own body. You can also watch the full video version of this session as well as all of my other podcast episodes on my YouTube channel. If you enjoy this episode and feel called to work together in this way, I have three spots opening up for my three-month one-on-one somatic healing journey in March. And if you'd like to get on a call to explore if this work feels in alignment for where you are on your journey right now, you can find that info on my website. Just click on the tab that says one-on-one healing and you can book a call there. So without further ado, here is the somatic spirit session I had with Kylie getting to the root of her gut issues. So this conversation, just for anybody listening, was inspired by... Kylie coming to me just as a dear friend, exploring some gut stuff that's coming up. And that's such a huge part of my journey. That was like the beginning, truly, of my coming into somatics and coming into understanding that my emotions are tied in with physical symptoms in my body, you know, having journeyed through bulimia for 10 years and then having those physical symptoms show up as like a extremely distended belly that was so uncomfortable and acid reflux and um, a lot of 
depression and shame during that time because it brought up all of my body image stuff, you know, being in the fashion industry and also having body dysmorphia all throughout that time, having a distended belly and not being able to fit any clothes or feel comfortable going out was also an extra layer to it. So my intention for this conversation is sometimes with friends, I find that I can't just talk about it from the mind because I'm like wanting to get into the body and feeling, you know, but then um, it's nice to carve out some intentional space where I, you know, have your permission for us to be able to explore the body as well. So welcome, Kylie, and I'm so appreciative that you're willing to share this really vulnerable journey you're in right now. Thank you so much for sharing your truth. You just have such a servant's heart. And I really am in awe of, you know, I have many friends who are in this space and we've spent time together just a handful of times. But every time I reach out, you just go above and beyond to support me wherever I'm at. It's genuinely, it takes me aback because it is... (laughs) Oh, rare and special. And I'm, I'm just eternally grateful for you showing up always with like, I'm here. Let's do this. Let's <laughs> dig in. Let's unearth. And it's such a gift that you have. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm a little self-conscious about it sometimes because I actually send people this message where I'm like, if you'd like to unsubscribe from all of these updates and hints and tricks, simply reply, stop. <laughs> um, so I, I appreciate that you are enjoying it and also feel free to reply, stop at any moment. <laughs> It will be a lifetime subscriber, baby. I'm on this journey with you. All right, cool. I'm glad. (laughs) I'd love for you to share, if you're willing, however much or little, what your what's happening for you right now with all of the gut stuff, when it started, um, everything that's coming up for you right now around it and how you've been struggling with that. Yeah, absolutely. So It's so challenging for me to answer when it started because Mm -hmm. I, from the time I was young, have had a perpetual stomach ache. And my mom, when I was young, when I would tell her, I have a stomach ache, I have a stomach ache, she would just, her response to me very lovingly, but was just kind of like, you always have a stomach ache. What do you want me to do about it? Like, here's some Pepto-Bismol. It's really challenging for me to really answer like when did when did these gut health issues begin? I also in in um, my freshman year of college randomly had so many gallstones and had to get my gallbladder taken out. And at the time was no education around that it was possible to have kept my gallbladder and and healed the root of that, which was likely either emotional or what I was ingesting. So got my gallbladder taken out. And then that led to a bout of pancreatitis where I was in the hospital for several weeks. And so I've had chronic abdominal related issues for many years of my life, as long as I can remember. But I would say this recent flare up happened actually right out right after i left my last relationship and so that was in july very beginning of july and i traveled then to new york to visit one of my dearest friends and 
as I was there, you know, emotionally, I'd felt freer than I had in so long post leaving that relationship, but my body had never felt worse. And I was just having, I mean, horrible abdominal cramping, a lot of lethargy. Like I would be in the car with her and all of a sudden couldn't, I just couldn't speak to her. I couldn't, we would be having a conversation and she was like, are you okay? And I just, it was brain fog and lethargy. Like I have not experienced in some time. And so that sort of initiated the past several months of like having an extremely distended stomach, like genuinely looking three to five months pregnant, um, waking up in pain, not waking up hungry ever, eating the tiniest little thing, setting me off, but really having no relief either. Like it was morning, noon and night. I was experiencing this extreme bloating and stomach pain and tiredness. And it wasn't like in the morning, I'll wake up and I'll feel better. It was just, it's been around the clock. And so I cut out gluten about a month ago now and symptoms have diminished, I would say around 50%, but there's still this underlying issue. And meanwhile, I've gone to an allopathic doctor and had every test under the sun done, stool tests, blood tests, SIBO tests, et cetera. And everything is negative. Yeah. And so, yeah, I've just been really left with like a million question marks and no answers and my body screaming at me daily. Oh my God, Kylie. Just want to take a moment. Like, I so feel you. And I feel like every time I see you, and also you're you're continuing to show up for your clients. And I just feel like you're always like this ball of sunshine. And when I feel any discomfort in my gut, I'm like a fucking gremlin. So I have no idea how you've been living like this since July. How are you smiling? <laughs> Why are you happy? You should be angry. Well, to be honest, I really feel that like I'm able to be this way, as I mentioned, because I've experienced stomach stuff for so long that I've just mm-hmm. adapted. And totally. it wasn't even until, in spite of all of that pain, it wasn't even until I was home back in New Mexico after my trip in New York with my roommate and I was telling her about all my stomach pain. And she just, she's very holistically minded, has also had a lot of gut issues herself. And she just said to me point blank, like, this is not okay. You cannot accept this as your reality. And it was the first time that anyone had ever said to me that what you're experiencing isn't normal. And I think there's this really a big miscommunication these days between the difference of normal and common. And because these symptoms were so common, I thought that it was normal. Mm -hmm. And so it's been me realizing these past few months that it is not normal to feel this way, even though it's common and a lot of people experience this. Yeah. And when you're saying that you're knowing that it's not normal now, what are the thoughts and emotions and everything that you're experiencing with that? I immediately go into problem solver mode. So. There's a part of me that wants to get out her little inspection kit and Mm -hmm. get to the bottom of this. Like, all right, let's roll our sleeves up. What's here? What can we do? How can we help? So that's the initial Mm -hmm. layer that comes up. 
I would say the layer beyond that is what you've touched on around your own story, which is the socialized and often internalized shame around body image that follows Mm -hmm. that. When my stomach is bloated and distended, I don't feel good in clothes. And it brings up a lot of beliefs I have had around my body that I have just kind of pushed down and ignored because I've virtually always lived in the same body. Mm-hmm. And so now that my body is is changing in such a drastic way with these past few months, it's brought a lot to the surface around beliefs I have had around my body and body image that I, I haven't addressed before. So that's mm-hmm. the second, like this belief of my body doesn't, isn't normal like this. I don't look mm-hmm. normal like this. Mm-hmm. And then beyond that, the thought is the story around that is, and that's not okay. It's mm-hmm. not okay that um, I yeah. don't way. Yeah. And so now do you feel like you're encountering kind of ways that your worth was tied to the body you always had? And I'm curious growing up if there was any pressure from either your parents or anywhere that you had to fit in a certain mold. Yeah, I would say specifically related to body image ironically enough no my Mm. mom I'm so blessed to have a mom who never speaks of body at all like growing up she she never said you look like this or you should look like that she didn't comment on other people's bodies it's genuinely a miracle I don't know how she escaped that wound um but I'm I'm really grateful for it because I think that is a huge reason and trigger for why a lot of people come to have body issues I would say they developed when I was in competitive cheerleading so <laughs> that makes having sense. to wear having to wear these really cropped tops and we would draw on our abs with, you know, and I'm like, I don't know, 11 years old and drawing on a six pack. Why does an 11 year old need to have a six pack is, is beyond me, but just without question, engaging in those spaces where body and how strong and fit you were was directly correlated to your performance on a team. And Mm -hmm. So even identity at that time being attached and associated to a group identity and, Mm -hmm. oh, my role in this group is to look this way. And these are all things I explored as an adult. Like then I had no idea that this was going on. But yeah, that that was definitely when all of these harmful self-beliefs around that began. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm curious. If there was like ever a time in your life that you didn't have discomfort with your belly or you felt connected to it at all, can you remember any time? No, no, I I genuinely can't. And I'm just curious, maybe for now, if you might be able to sense a place, like what's going on right now in your body? Is there a place that feels neutral? Maybe just taking a moment to scan and if you want to close your eyes. Let's just take a moment to notice where in your body might feel pleasant, neutral. I would say my legs feel neutral. My 
but not my, not the bowl of my pelvis, more so like upper thigh down feels neutral. My feet feel grounded. They're firmly on the earth. So that feels really supportive. And Mm -hmm. then uh, my inner arms, like down the sides of my body feels really relaxed. And like the inward cave of my armpits is welcomed and feels comfortable. Mm, Beautiful. So just inviting you to be with those places and let's continue noticing what else. And even if you might describe those sensations, either as sensations in words or an image might come up. Yeah, I feel this warm stream coming almost up the inner arms into my armpits and down down my legs on either side. It feels like these two parallel channels of warm water. Mm-hmm. That's the sensation that I'm receiving in the image that's accompanying it. Beautiful. So what if we could just take some time with this stream and is it flowing upwards or down? down toward the feet. Beautiful. So just inviting you to slow this down and follow that stream. And let's just continue noticing what else happens after or what appears next. I'm hearing birds chirping outside and Somehow that sound is correlating to a sensation in my head and around the crown of my head that almost feels like I have birds flapping in that space. Like there's a lot of erratic sensation going on in the crown and behind my forehead. Mm, Erratic as in chaotic or is it pleasant with the birds? It's chaotic. It's not it's not even either or predictable. Okay. And is it kind of like all the birds chirping around in the head? Mhm. Okay. Does it feel okay to be with that for a moment? Yes, but it does feel intense when I tune into it. Okay. And so I just want to invite you, and this is something called pendulation, where we don't have to go into the intense places all the way, but just want to invite you to go in to it 5% and then allow yourself to bring your awareness back down to the stream to resource when you've reached that 5%. And just want to give you your own time now to go back and forth at your own pace and let's see what happens next. It's so interesting because the birds want to come with me down the stream. Yeah. (laughs) So now they're sort of flying out of my crown and swooping down the sides of my body, but in a pleasant way this time, in a way that feels like they've been allowed an escape. Like my head was a cage and they've been set free to now be in nature and 
Mm, wow. When you said that, I felt kind of like chills down my shoulders and chest and, and down my arms. I'm curious what sensations you noticed with that. Yeah, I feel a coolness in my hands and in my arms and even in my low back. The coolness of the first day of spring that's mm. still and comforting, but has a slight crispness to it. The sort of crispness that draws you into presence. Oh, so beautiful. And so just inviting you to really sip that in. And just staying with that, notice whatever emotions, sensations, images, meanings appear for you next. Yeah, it's making me a little emotional because... um... This imagery makes me feel as if all the systems around me, the water, the birds, the trees, want me to feel healed and supported. This crisp air just just reminding me that I'm here and um, I'm here as a balm, as a support. Mm. Yeah. And so how does it feel for us to attend to and allow this emotion and this wave of grief to be here together? I instantly feel a tug, a magnetism toward the earth. I sort of felt my bones and my muscles drop down a little bit as you said that. Mm -hmm. I'm curious. If little Kylie had a lot of times that she got to have her grief be here in the presence of somebody witnessing her. Not often. Actually just was remembering my Aunt Linda who... She, like me, is also a Pisces and had this extreme emotional intelligence. And she was a really safe space and would, she lived in Tennessee. I grew up in Indiana and she would, she would ask me when I would visit her if I felt safe at home, if I felt okay. So she comes to mind but I think I, I grew up in a family where there was a lot of chaos and a lot of harm and everyone acting as if it were normal, as if it totally. was just every day, this is how other people live. Yeah. And I, um, I know your background and I really, I, we're going to get there in a second. And I'm also curious if you might describe Linda to me or even tell me about a favorite memory that comes up for you. Yeah, she <laughs> she loved cats. <laughs> so she had several cats in her apartment. In, um, she lived in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. 
She was really heavily involved and she spent her entire career devoted to providing support for those who had muscular dystrophy. So she worked for the muscular dystrophy. I don't know if it's called the foundation or what the title of it's called, but she ended up becoming the CEO of that organization and really devoted her whole life to service. She was a really Mm -hmm. spiritual woman. She would say she was a godly woman devoted to living her life in service of others. And Mm -hmm. she had a really dry humor and sarcasm. So she was like simultaneously the sweetest, kindest, most gentle human, but like would say things sometimes and you'd have to look at her and just wait for a smile to see if, if she was kidding or not. Yeah. And so had, she was just silly and goofy. A favorite memory I have is going to Newport Aquarium with her. And when I was a kid, we would often go for summers and visit her and my uncle Chris. And yeah, I just remember spending the entire day at the aquarium with them and feeling like she was the kind of adult who believed that children had wisdom. And it's so special and rare. And she she made me feel seen and heard in my world and made me and encouraged me to share my inner world with her, which is something that wasn't given to me by many other adults in my life. Yeah. I mean, she, it just, I want to invite you, you just kind of did this like, and yeah, I'm just curious. Yeah. What would happen if we just slow that down where you just had your hands like surrounding your face and literally take your hands there and let's slow down that movement and see what sensations happen for you? What emotions, images? It feels like I'm spreading my smile. Like my two hands are just pulling this smile on my face wider and wider. Yeah. And even checking into your body if there's any warmth or tingly sensations or what's present for you. Yeah. Between the hands and between the heart, there's a lot of energy and sensation as if like, I had two magnets and they were wanting to pull toward one another. Yeah. So just inviting you to be here and really feel the presence of Linda, who she just feels like such a strong um, guide for you. You know, is she still here or is she? In 2014. Mm -hmm. I'm curious. Do you experience her as one of your guides? I do. Yeah. She, um, I actually found a photo the other day of my grandma and my aunt Linda and my grandma's, I would say the other person in my life, very similarly to my aunt Linda, she's my great aunt. So, um, similarly to her was that kind, nurturing, eternal love sort of presence Mm -hmm. and photo of the two of them when they were young girls and the back of the photo had written on it a warm day and the date was February 27th which is my birth date and it was from like 1956 or something like that but yeah she it sits on my altar and she's she's with me always I really really feel her Linda and what was your is it great aunt you said my grandma, her name's Robin. Grandma. Oh yeah, so God. Linda is my great aunt, technically. It's my grandma's sister. 
Beautiful. So I just love that they've kind of shown up here as your guides and your resources. And yeah, I'd, if you feel comfortable, would you be open to sharing? You spoke a little bit about that feeling of chaos in your family and what it was like growing up and that this was all just normal. Yeah, I have a memory coming up that, so just for a little bit of baseline foundational history, I grew up with divorced parents. My mom lived separate from my dad. um, And I grew up actually believing one man to be my dad and then found out when I was 13 that he was not my biological father. However, when I speak of my dad, I still speak of Mike, who's the man who raised me and who I consider to be my father in many ways. And unfortunately, when I was young, I think I was six, he fell off of a building and broke both of his arms. He was, he owned his own construction business Mm -hmm. and prescribed opioids. And then um, both of his parents died. Both my grandma and my grandpa died within the months that followed that accident. And so Mm -hmm. this opioid addiction due to the fall mixed with the immense grief of losing both of your parents in a matter Mm -hmm. of three months with the Midwestern culture of men not being allowed to honor or express their grief and experiences. And I know that's not just isolated to the Midwest, but definitely where I'm from. It's really strong here. All of that was sort of the perfect cocktail for uh, a heroin use disorder. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so my, my childhood was him heavily addicted to independent on heroin mm-hmm. as a balm and a survival mechanism really and so i grew up with a mom who was very loving but also had kids really young and so mm-hmm. was a little bit vacant and right. then a dad who was deeply hurting and numbing and masking through substance and Due to that, a lot of violence was also present with him. So I can remember being over at his house once. And I want to give just a trigger warning for anyone who has had intense experiences of abuse or violence in their home, because it, it, this story is is definitely challenging to share. But he was angry at one of my stepbrothers and holding him up by his ankle and just beating him and he's mm-hmm. hanging upside down and he's running through the house, just screaming and, at him. And so as you're telling this, and I'm only going to interrupt you because I want to get curious about what's happening in the body right now. And so, yeah, oh boy, there's a lot yeah. happening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Can you describe any sensations or what are you noticing? Yeah, an intense constriction in my chest and a um, a sinking in my gut. Mm-hmm. And so just inviting us to, how does it feel for us to attend to that together? Mm, yeah, that would be nice. Yeah, what happens when I say that? How does it feel for you when I tell you that you're here with these feelings and you're not alone and I'm with you and I'm not going anywhere? Yeah, it, um It feels like a warm stream. It feels like a hug. 
Yeah. And so just inviting you to be with that warm stream for a moment. And yeah, I just feel tears in the back of my eyes, you know, for so much that this little Kylie had to endure. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and I just noticed that breath there. Mm-hmm. And just let's continue tracking and noticing the down settling, what's happening for you now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the sensations are softening and I can feel my my collarbones are widening as we sit here together. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. I'm curious how old you were in this story. I was probably nine. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I remember, you know, we talked about that hopelessness and and me also sort of looking around like, who's going to raise the alarm bell? Why is everyone acting like this is okay? And in that household, it was my dad and I had two stepbrothers and then my own brother. and. I remember looking around at my other two brothers and hysterically sobbing and saying, yeah, please stop him, stop him from doing this. And yeah, both just stone cold, zero emotion express. Right. And so just pausing here again and noticing what, what's happening for you and your body. Yeah. Same sensations. My jaws tightening. Uh-huh. Oh. Yeah, and rise so, of energy. Yeah. And we're going to go through this story really really slowly, and I'm just curious what it would be like right here if we could freeze this terrifying movie for a second. And what would it be like if Linda and Robin were there or just Linda? And I want you to just plop them into the scene here. And just see how it plays out for little Kylie. How would they protect you? What would they say to you? Or, mm. yeah, <laughs> I think that they would have stepped in, they would have asserted personal power, they would have stopped the harm, and then they would have told me that that's not okay, what I witnessed. Yeah. So I want you to just, if you want to close your eyes, like really see this, how this plays out instead. And just get curious about the sensations in your body that you're noticing. Yeah, the back back of my neck is elongating and I feel as if I'm able to breathe more deeply. And so just continue noticing what else. My face wants to soften. Mm-hmm. My and belly wants to be loose. Your belly wants to be loose. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Soft, supple. Mm. Yeah, what is it like to notice your belly wanting to be loose and soft? It scares me. Yeah, because it's not used to that, right? It had to hold on for dear life, your whole life. And so when you say it scares me, I'm curious if there's a sensation there or if there's words that your belly is saying. It's more my head telling my belly, be careful. Mm-hmm. And, and so, so it feels like I'm not able to fully let go. Right. And we don't have to. And so what would it be like for us to just acknowledge that place in the head that has kept you alive for all of these years? And I know that you are familiar with IFS. So I'm just curious what you would say to this protector part for saving your life. Yeah, I would tell her she's incredibly brave and resilient. And how does she respond? (laughs) She has on like a little crown and a staff with like a gemstone on top. (laughs) She's like, I was, I was brave and resilient. Yeah. And I'm curious how she feels to look at you now. And as you know, sometimes these protector parts don't know how old you are now. They might think that you're still nine years old. So what is it like for you to see how tall you are, how old you are, what you've accomplished now? Yeah, she's she's proud of me. I also get a sense from her that she's in disbelief that there is a dynamic present where she feels in disbelief that I am here living the life that I am. And there's perhaps disconnection as a result of that. Yeah, totally. And, you know, that's sometimes what I talk about all the time is trauma robs us of the ability to take in the just right amount. And so how would it feel to give her that permission of, you don't have to take this all in. What would it be like to take in a molecule of Kylie being safe doing what she's doing, living her dreams. Yeah, I think she she's proud that I kept my softness of spirit. And that part who was there crying on the couch and screaming and out for help is the part of me now who's still deeply devoted to going through life with a bare heart and not shielding, not to the best that I can. Yeah. Not anything away. That to me is a miracle. I mean, how does it feel for 
me to just witness this softness. Like the image I get is this like soft, beautiful budding flower that has somehow withstood like the most tumultuous storms and earthly disasters that could have ever happened. And somehow it's still soft with these delicate petals, you know, and offering that to the world. What is it like for me to witness you that way? The first thing that came to mind is my mom showed me how. Mm. Like, I, I want to say to you, I had a good roadmap. And my mom similarly has been through just unfathomable trauma in her life and still shows up in the world with this boundless, unconditional love. Mm. And she showed me, you know, never by telling me, but by her own way of engaging with the world that it's okay to be soft and bear my heart. Mm, that's so beautiful. What's your mom's name? Amy. Mm -hmm. I just have this curiosity while, you know, we have this frozen scene of nine-year-old Kylie in the house and are both, did both Linda and Robin show up? Mm -hmm. And would you feel like you'd want Amy to be there as well, your mom? It's challenging because my mom was really silent mm -hmm. in a lot of and I mm -hmm. think she, for her own safety, had to turn away from mm -hmm. what was happening because she was already going through too much. It would have been just crushing to have really witnessed and been present with the pain that I was enduring. So there's a part of me that doesn't want her there to almost protect her. Mm-hmm. Having to take on more. Right. So, you know, I'm just noticing that as a nine-year-old, not only were you in, you know, a very chaotic setting where everything was supposed to be normal, but you just said that you were more worried about protecting your mom while you were in this situation. So, yeah, maybe we can just be with this grief here. Yeah. Yeah. I don't That's think a I lot. Have, Yeah, I don't think I have realized before in this moment that Kylie in that moment had that worry, had that fear. Yeah. Can you imagine another do you have any 9-year-old nieces or or little girls in your life or little boys in your life? Can you imagine if they were in that situation? 
it breaks my heart to think about it. Yeah. And again, how does it feel that I'm here with you and you're not alone in these feelings right now? I'm so grateful. Me too. Wow. I mean, if I were there, I would have like swooped in, (laughs) you know, and my collie crazy wild woman energy and like set fire to the place, like wake up people, you know, I don't know. I just, I know. Yeah. Wow. And so Yeah, I, you know, and sometimes it's really hard when we're so young and I know how much you love your mom, right? And then so it's really hard. She's an angel. She did the best that she could given everything. And so sometimes it helps us to let's, what if we could like separate the angel, the, you know, sometimes I say the good behaviors from the bad behaviors. And I wouldn't say it was her bad behavior, but it was the part that maybe was painful for you that you haven't realized, you know? And so let's separate her angelic, amazing, good mom parts. And then this part that, you know, had to look away and the part that, you know, made you have to kind of parent her. And I don't know if there's yeah, what what sensations come up for you when we're just with that part? The part of her that had to look away. Mhm. Yeah, it's it's interesting because still I feel as if I must protect that part. Yeah. And so these are all just awarenesses, right? Like seeing how much you were responsible for in addition to being terrified, right? And I'm curious if your mom, was Linda your mom's mom? She was yes. my mom's aunt. So my mom's your mom's, mom's aunt. Mm-hmm. And were they close? I would say my mom had a deep fondness for her as well and felt really close to her as well, but the, it wasn't the sort of closeness that you might think of like calling each other every week and that sort of thing. Right. Well, I'm curious if Linda could be there to just take care of your mom. Like how would she show up? What would happen there? Or if there's anybody else that comes to mind? That could support your mom. Linda does for sure. Linda would tell her to use her voice. Mm. Linda would say, actually what's, I'm remembering an experience, an image that came to my mind during a cacao ceremony once. I was in ceremony and I had a visual come to me as I was eyes closed in meditation and and it was of my mom and my grandma and they both had yokes on their back, like the sort of yoke that you'd put on top of a donkey to carry your supplies and luggage and all the men in my family were 
on top, sitting on top. Wow. They were so crushed by the weight that they couldn't speak. They mm-hmm. couldn't their voice. And so I think my Aunt Linda would have told my mom, take the yoke off your back and use mm-hmm. your voice. Mm. And what happens? Like, would Aunt Linda kind of like help her take that yoke off or how does this play out? Yeah, I'm just going to soften my eyes again. It's yeah easy to tune in that way. I think she would, she would hold her hand and she would tell her that she's not in this alone and that, and she would remind her that she's safe Mm -hmm. and she would, she would ignite her, that Kali energy, that fierce mother and say, you, you have your babies to protect and Mm -hmm. you have strength to look toward rather than look away. And how does your mom respond to this? I can like feel my mom rising up. Like I wow. can I can like Yeah. <laughs> just her her aura is like rising and expanding. Yeah. And what does that feel like in your body? <laughs> Similar similar sensation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so checking in with little nine-year-old Kylie, what is it like to see that your mom has support right now? It makes me feel safe. It makes mm-hmm. her feel safe. And did you say it makes you feel safe? Mm-hmm. And what are the cues in your body that tell you you feel safe? And sensations, what do you notice? an openness across the front of my body and sort of a strength along the back of my body. Mm-hmm. And so now there's all these different ways we can go. And I'm just curious again, if it feels right that Linda, Robin, and Amy are there, or if it's still just Linda and Robin, or who would you want to be there? I'd love for my mom and Linda to be there. Okay, amazing. So then let's just imagine that your mom and Linda are in this scene. And I'm curious if little Kylie wants to go somewhere. Like, what if we asked her, where do you want to be instead? <laughs> yeah, I would, I would go to the trees. <laughs> Is there a particular place? Yeah, yeah. I right outside of the house. Um, the house was close to like a stone quarry, and then you know this big expanse of of like midwestern forest that mm-hmm. I would pretty much spend all of my time in as a kid when I was over there. Okay, yeah. So, what would it be like if one of them or both of them, if we could just like run out to that place? And maybe one of them stays behind to, you know, deal with everything happening in the house. Like what, how does the scene play out for you? 
I'm afraid to leave because I'm afraid for my brother's sake. Mm. I don't want to leave him alone. Yeah. And I'm just curious, what is it like for us to notice also the responsibility you had for your brothers? Mm. Yeah, I am. Um, because I, I was the girl of the family and my dad was, he was a genuinely beautiful father to me before the addiction took hold of him. Mm -hmm. And because I was like his baby girl, I was spared any of the direct violence from him. And it was mainly directed toward one of my brothers in particular, but um, mainly directed toward my brothers. Mm. And so, yeah, there's a part of me coming up here that feels guilty that I was spared. Yeah. And I'm just curious where you might feel that guilt, what part of your body? In my jaw, in the hinge of my jaw, they just started aching as I said that. And would it be okay for us to just be with that for a moment, that aching in your jaw? And if there were words here, what would they say? This you're safe. You are safe. And I'm just curious, if, you know, what would Linda or your mom say about this guilt? What would they say to this guilt? They would tell the guilt that what happened was horrible and it should never happen to anyone, including me. Mm. What happens in your body? That same sort of like magnetism toward earth is happening again, where my whole body just sort of wants to like, like drop down almost to like be held by something stable. Mm. I'm curious if your body physically, like how that would feel to, I don't know if there's like a comfortable position of feeling like being held if you wanted to crouch over or if there's a pillow nearby that you could grab. Not a pillow, but. <laughs> yeah. Oh. So just allow yourself to feel held. My gosh, that's what should have happened to a nine-year-old experiencing all of this. Mm. This is my favorite posture. One of my favorite postures in a yoga class. Mm. Hands wrapped around the legs and forehead on the knees. Yeah. Curious what 
Emotions are here, thoughts. I feel um, it's so empowering to be able to rewrite a story that's already happened. Mm. And um, yeah, I feel. I feel just very witnessed and empowered by that. So grateful to witness you. So touched. I'm curious when you say witnessed and empowered, what what do you notice in your body? It's not even a strength. It's just an authenticity. Like here I am. Mm. Here I am, how I am. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, your story, and I just like, I literally can't believe you're here, (laughs) you know, and what a gift you are to the world to be able to share these parts and your gift of healing and authenticity and vulnerability. And this like, here I am in all of my softness, you know, and pain. Yeah, I think it it makes sense to me as you said that a sort of light bulb went off around why it feels so challenging to live in a world that asks us to share curated versions of us. Mm-hmm. And it's like I've fought, you know, so many years of my life to just be safe as I am. Mm-hmm. And so to then be asked to filter further in order to be safe and accepted in the world is just unfathomable. Mm. What if you're asked to be a little bit less filtered now? <laughs> I'm like, let's get this show on the road already. <laughs> We've been waiting. Yeah. Totally. What happens in your body when I say that? There's like a pure silliness. Like that's mm-hmm. that's what's coming up is like, okay, we get to be silly now. Like let's just have a playful time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For some reason, I just keep being in that house right now. And I'm just curious, like, what feels right for you? Um, There's something with this connection to that, those trees outside and your brothers and um, Linda and your mom. Like, I don't know if there's like running out to that space or if somebody stays behind to take care of your dad. Yeah. I almost envision like, taking off on bicycles. That was something I would do a lot at my dad's. He lived in a really small town in Indiana and I would always ride my bike to the Dollar General down the street and get a whole box of star crunches. (laughs) So I visualize like taking off on a bike with my, my aunt Linda and my mom staying behind and using her voice and asserting her will and 
me sort of being taken out of the harmful situation and going to get a treat. Wow. Something happened in my body. I'm curious what just happened in yours when you imagine that. It felt true. Yeah. It felt as saying it, it felt like this is this is true. Yeah, it's so interesting. It's, you know, so much of this was so much like a healing around, I think, your maternal line, all these ways that your the women in your family, you know, like you said, wore yokes, right? And there's so much here about speaking up and using your voice. Yeah, what what's present for you now in images, emotions, sensations? Yeah, it, in many ways in my family, um, I'm witnessing my mom now for the first time in her life starting to go to therapy. Wow. And it's one of the most beautiful gifts I've ever been given is to witness her. Like she referenced me the other day. She's like, you know, since I have started my healing journey and to hear her say those words it, and to hear her tell me how much her witnessing me heal and me use my voice and me um, repair mm-hmm. these wounds, how that has been such a catalyst for her. And yeah, yeah, when I told her the story of the cacao ceremony and witnessing um, the yolks on, on their back, she started crying. I was on the phone with her and she started crying. And she said to me, you make me feel like it was all worth it, that you are able to witness me and my pain. Oh my gosh. And I know, I know. And so in many ways, as we're exploring this, I just feel so profoundly humbled that I have had access to these bases of comfort and exploration to repair and to go back and to witness and to heal because it's, it's something that so many of the women in my family have never gotten. Mm-hmm. How would it feel um, for us to let little nine-year-old Kylie take that in for a moment, even just a sip of seeing your mom in therapy, repeating back to you your words now? Yeah. She feels little Kylie when when I see that, when I hear that, when I share that feels very like pleasantly oblivious almost. Like all of a sudden she feels like she doesn't have to worry and she doesn't have to be vigilant. Mm. She can be playful and mm. be a kid. Mm-hmm. What is she doing? 
Is she like running around in the trees? Is she biking? She's riding horses. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So just inviting you to really sink into this vision of little Kylie being free, riding horses. And if you want to close your eyes and really just take the scene in, being able to be a kid and play. And I don't know if Linda and your mom and you now are all riding horses with her. Mm. Yeah, that's beautiful. I see that. And so just allowing yourself to savor this for a little longer and noticing and checking in to all the different places in your body. Noticing that breath. I'm just curious to check in with your belly space. I was holding it in as you said that, but far less than I was when we began. Mm. And so what would it be like if we don't need to put so much pressure on it to be different, you know, and how does it feel to accept, you know, everything that's going on as this invitation to explore a nine-year-old Kylie, six-year-old, 13-year-old, you know, it's like this belly of yours is just telling you it's time. It's time for us to be able to not look over it and jump into problem solver mode and and also to not say this is normal anymore. Mm. Yeah, I'm I'm overcome with a big gratitude as I hear you say that. Mm. So just yeah, allowing yourself Yeah, what are you saying? I feel grateful that it's guided me to this opportunity to be able to have these sweet moments to rewrite this one particular story. Yeah. What happens when you give it that gratitude? What happens to that belly? It's humble. It doesn't it doesn't take much credit, but it, it, it's proud of me. Mm. Is there an image? What of the belly? Like, is there a character that kind of represents this space in you? It, it's really just like, I, I do envision like a half dome. So I, I kind of visual, visualize it pretty literally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I am getting an image. Like I do see it and feel as if I'm speaking to if my belly were um, you know, anthropomorphized. Yeah. I know sometimes I see like my different organs with like arms and legs or something and a face. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's one of my favorite meditations to do is the Buddhist practice of like witnessing all your organs smiling. <laughs> yes, amazing. And so then how does this how does your belly feel about you guys having this kind of relationship now? It's like a warm welcome. It's um but it's not overly eager or energized. It's just yeah, the my belly's sort of just like I'm here. I'm I'm holding out my hands. Feel the need to be loud. Mhm. Mm Is there anything else it wants to tell you? It's telling me how sorry it is for what I've been through. And is there anything you want to say back? Thank you for being here through it. Thank you for not leaving me to be in this alone to be in that experience alone or many of my others. Mm. And what happens when you say that? What, what do you notice? There's just a quiet love. Like a quiet kinship that doesn't need to be yeah, I don't know. There's so much softness present. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so just as we land, I invite you to be with this softness. Notice if there's color. And just really bask in this place. Taking your time here as long as you want. Yeah, there's this really warm, soft baby yellow light that's just like really softly moving through my body and circulating. Mm, beautiful. So just follow that circulating. And just notice any sensations, emotions. Thoughts. I feel a clearing, a cleansing, like there's an equality of noiselessness. Like presence. Exactly. Connection. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
And so I just want you to take this space and I'm just going to be here with you and welcoming you to take all the time you need. And you can come back into the space whenever you're ready. Hmm. Oh, feels like a good morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and like sunshine. <laughs> wow. Thank you for allowing me to witness your journey. I am thank you does not begin to cover how grateful I am to be seen and guided by you truly. I'm, you know, so deeply touched and moved and saddened and I just can't believe the level of depth that you bring to this world. And uh, it's such a gift. It's such a gift that you have to give to people. I appreciate that. It's no small thing the the level of empathy and understanding and wisdom that you have in this space and it it's it's so evident that you've had your own journey and that you have spent many a moons healing and learning and being with little tammies and it it mm-hmm. just yeah you are you are genuinely the definition of like em- an embodied teacher. And I'm so blessed to know you. Wow. Well, I love you so, so much. And I cannot wait to do this again soon. My love for you grows with every moment that I look at your shining face. I'm genuinely (laughs) so, so grateful. And yeah, looking forward to doing this again, without a shadow of a doubt. Thank you so, so much for tuning into this episode. If you have any questions about this work, feel free to DM me on Instagram at Somatic Spirit. And don't hesitate to reach out if you want to be one of the three clients I work with starting in March for my three-month container. See you next time on The Art of Relating. My brother live in a jungle concrete Like belly gone rumbling Only wants a taste of the sky Wind and fire set in the seeds For the son of his son to come with him one day Taste the roots he was born from Passing the story how all hands came together as one